Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Showing Up to Your Life podcast and YouTube channel. My name is Art Burns, and I'm really happy to be here with you. It's a Wednesday morning for me. Uh, I don't know when you're listening to this, but I'm recording it here on Wednesday morning, uh, June 23rd. Yesterday was my son's 10th birthday, and that's that was a big, big deal for us here. Um, you know, it's, it's just amazing when you can, you know, and, and this actually does apply to mindfulness. This isn't just some gratuitous, uh, you know, family stuff from art here, but I'd like to share something with you that, you know, um, 10 years, you know, it's, it's just like one of those, you know, blocks of time that's like, wow, you know, it's a whole decade has gone by. Now he's in double digits, so he's feeling real excited about that. And, you know, it's the whole... You know, it's it's a big, you know, momentous occasion, the 10th birthday, you know, it's a big deal. And, um, you know, so we had a wonderful time yesterday, you know, uh, my son had one of his friends over and, you know, just spent the whole day. We uh, filled up about 100 water balloons and the kids outside here had a massive <laughs> just water balloon fight. It was awesome. It was over in like 20 seconds, <laughs> you know, and then I was cleaning up for two hours after. Um, then we had some snacks and we had some cake and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, my son got himself a new little gaming setup for his computer and it was like really, really awesome little day that we had yesterday. Um, but one of the reasons I bring that up and, and, you know, and how it kind of does apply to mindfulness is that, you know, when you look back and anyone out there who's a parent knows this and, and anyone who's thinking about being a parent, you're going to know, know this soon enough, right? That, um, that, that, you know, when, when you pass, a, you know, even any birthday, but, but especially one like the 10th birthday, you know, that tends to, you know, kind of inspire some reflection, you know, and, um, and, and yeah, like many parents will tell you, you know, it, it feels like just yesterday that I was like, you know, up all night with him, my little boy, Casey, you know, you know, bringing him to the pediatrician for the first time, you know, holding him in the middle of the night when he's, you know, sleeping or trying to get him to sleep and all these kind of things, you know. And, and so so one thing that came up for me um, as I started thinking about this all day yesterday, really, you know, is that, you know, so often you hear, and, and this is not something new. I mean, it's just kind of came to my memory yesterday. It just was not a revelation because I've, I've known about this for a long time. And in fact, some of you may know, some of you might be parents who I've coached as parents, you know, so I used to actually work with parents. Um, it's, it's a tough way to go about coaching. So I, I don't do that so much anymore. It's not that I'm necessarily closed off to it, but it's just things have evolved differently. And so, but, but when I did work with parents and, um, um, it's a little warm here. I'm going to tie the old uh, hair back here. My daughter uh, took my desk fan, so <laughs> so I'm waiting for a new one to be delivered uh, by Amazon. And so hopefully that'll come today. Uh, but anyway, for today, I'll just put the hair up. Uh, so anyway, sorry to digress there. I know that that's not really very interesting content for you all. Um, but but what I want to, you know, one of the things that, that always I always hear from parents, right, whether I'm, you know, kind of consulting with them as a coach or just, you know, parents who I know, right? Like my sisters, my sister who's a parent or, you know, my parents or, or other, you know, just parents in the world, right? Um, you always hear like, where did the time go? You know, it seems like, you know, I was, you know, feeding my son a bottle and then next thing he's going to college. You know, you hear that all the time. And I want to tell you that I don't feel that way. Not even a little bit. I feel as though I remember 
almost every single minute of the last 10 years with my son. I really do. Now, there were in the very beginning, right? So probably maybe eight years, right? So because my son was born when uh, when I was still in a very, very reactive place. You know, I was I was not healthy. I was I was very highly stressed. I was still over 100 pounds overweight. I was still an alcoholic or a practicing alcoholic, you know, where I was, I was still drinking every single day a lot, you know, and really not healthy, you know, and, uh, and actually it was my son. So coming up in about two months from, you know, just like a few days ago, uh, so a few days less than two months will be 10 years sober for me, right? That's what inspired me to go sober, you know, was, was my son. Um, but, but the thing is that I don't share this feeling like the, the last 10 years just went by in a blur. It, it really doesn't feel that way to me. And I think I know why, right? Um, you know, I think I, you know, and again, this is how I have tried to work with parents in mindfulness. And, and I don't mean to make it sound like I've, you know, intentionally not worked with parents. That's not the case. I'm just not sort of marketing myself as a parenting coach, right? But I still have clients who are parents. And I still, you know, even though I'm not their parenting coach, I'm their mindfulness stress reduction coach. I mean, we're talking about parenting for sure. You know, it all applies, right? And so so the, the difference between how I have been through my son's 10 years on this earth, right, and how many of the other parents who I see out there in the world, the difference is that I've been here for it. You know, I've been showing up. I've been paying attention. I've been dwelling in the present moment with my son and with my family as it grows together, right? And that's the thing, right? That, that's what I talk about all the time here, right? That life, life is not, you know, a toddler becoming an adult, right? That's not what life is. That's somehow life, how life seems because we're all so busy rushing through things and we're all so, you know, wrapped up in our, our you know, daily drama and daily, you know, pressures and all the stuff, right? And I'm not saying that that stuff isn't necessary, right? But there is a way that we can dwell in the present moment and still be very busy. I mean, I'm very busy. <laughs> there are days where I have in, you know, actually just last week or the week before, the, there was a Wednesday where I had in a seven-hour period, I had six meetings, right? Six one-hour meetings in a seven-hour period. So don't talk to me about being too busy, <laughs> you know? I mean, I understand busy, and, and I am busy, and we are all busy. Everybody's busy. That doesn't mean that we can't be present and be busy at the same time. And that, in a lot of ways, is the key difference between somebody who feels as though they have been along, you know, presently with their children the whole way, and the person who looks back and says, oh my gosh, when did my child become this teenager? Or when did they, you know, where did all the time go, right? The time goes if you're not paying attention to it. That's all it is, right? And so I, I just thought I'd share that with you because, you know, again, it's it's so, and, and, and you know, and this is a bigger thing too, right? It's not just about, you know, oh, the time just flew past and I, I, you know, who knows where it all went, right? It doesn't stop there, okay? And this is very, very important here, right? Because parenting itself, the number one benefit that you can give your children as a parent, the number one thing you can do for them is to give them your presence. 
not presents that you wrap up and you give to a kid on his birthday, but your presence, your your 100% attention and your connection, right? You know, that's what I was talking about the other day on Friday, how uh, on my Friday, which was your Sunday, <laughs> which was, uh, uh, I'm still getting used to this, but, but you know, the, the connection is such a deep human need. I mean, it's our basic need. It really is. And, and you know, but yet so many people are living without this basic human need. And, you know, that, that will give us a little indication to the, the health or the illness of our society and our culture, right? Because so many of us are not connected, not connected to ourselves and not connected to others, right? We go through the motions, right? We hand our money to the person at the, at the you know, Starbucks or whatever. We, we you know, we email our colleagues. We, we sit in meetings. We, we answer phone calls. We make phone calls. We, we do our commute. We smile at people who we see on the train every night that we recognize, right? We do these things, but those are not connection, right? We just, many of us just, and, and I did this for so many years where we just, we just kind of go through our life almost like we're wrapped in this bubble, right? <laughs> like, like we're allowed to like, you know, hand things off outside the bubble and like take a phone receiver into the bubble, but that's it, right? We're not really connecting with each other, right? And, and specifically not connecting with ourselves, and as I mentioned on Friday, you know, this is, or again, my Friday, your Sunday, <laughs> this is not, you know, when I'm talking about connection, right, you know, it's not just about, like, it is very much about being connected to other human beings and being connected to our own, you know, physical body and understanding and feeling that, right? But, but even past there, there's a bigger reason for it, right? And I and I'm pretty sure I talked about this the other day, is that, you know, the 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 connection to ourselves is really our authenticity, right? And our authenticity is our gut instinct, our our intuition, right? It's the thing that makes us say, yeah, this is the right thing to do, or or no, that's not the kind of thing that I want to do, right? Without having to ham and haw about it and trying to figure out like, well, okay, if I do this, what happens? If I do that, what happens? Well, where do I win? Where do I lose? You know, that that's creating all of this static, which in and of itself is preventing us from connecting to ourselves and to others. And so we just pull ourselves further and further and further and further away from our connection to ourselves and to each other. And that is, again, speaks volumes and just screams from the mountaintop why our society is so unwell. Because it's everyone is doing this. This is not just you, not just me. This is epidemic, right? This was the epidemic way before coronavirus came around, way before coronavirus came around. And so I, I want to share with you um, a little personal story. I know you all have been, oh, by the way, I've gotten a ton of, um, of responses that, you know, many of you that haven't been quite 10, but, but, you know, as far as I'm concerned, rule, you know, 
I've never met a rule I didn't want to break, right? And so, so uh, you know, I'm, I'm the beg for forgiveness guy, not the ask for permission guy. You know, that's just my style. Um, so while I didn't get 10, I did get enough of you and, and enough really beautiful uh, messages from you asking to hear the stories, you know, that I, I kind of teased about the other day. Uh, stories about, you know, really what amounts to abuse, you know. So it's not going to be a pleasant podcast for me, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to figure out how to weave it into the next uh, few days here. I'll figure out how to reshuffle my uh, my little black book here, right, and get myself... Um get myself uh, straightened out there and uh, and figure out a way to to uh, to to work that that episode in but but today I already had this one planned and it kind of speaks to the same thing right at least it's part of it right um, you know the 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 episode that I'm going to tell you about the trauma is really going to be about my mother more than my father but this one's about my father Um and again, I'm just telling you this is an, I'm just trying to show you an illustration, not so much about like what I had to live with or anything like that, but, but more just illustrating how connection really does matter. Okay. You ready for this? Okay. So, um, so now I've made no secret, right, that, that there's been you know, there's been a rocky road behind me as far as my upbringing and everything like that is concerned. So, um, so let's just throw that out there, right? Like, so from that starting point, right? Um, you know, I want to kind of explain to you that that you know, my father was someone who he's lived his entire life feeling as though he needs to protect himself from being taken advantage of. Right now, it's just one way to put it. Right um, now, first of all, though, I want to explain something. Right, and this is very, very important because this might resonate with some of you. It might be illustrative of your experience as well. Okay, so so this is important. Right, um, my father's in a was in a business his whole life. Right, he was in a a business of um, his function basically was a salesperson. Right, but it's not like selling stuff like you know like encyclopedias or vacuums or something like that. He was representing a company that was, uh, that handled reproduction services for the advertising industry in New York City. Now we're talking about the biggest, biggest, biggest stuff, right? Like he, you know, his accounts were things like Estee Lauder, um, uh, you know, which was like $5 million a year that they spent in our shop, right? Like that's like huge stuff, right? Huge amounts of business, huge amounts of money, right? And that's just one of them. Tiffany and Company was another of his clients. Um, uh, you know, the big ad agencies like Ogilvy and Mather and Young and Rubicam, uh, uh, uh Backer, Spiervocal, Bates, you know, there's so many of them. You might recognize some of those names from Mad Men, right? Like those are the big time New York City, Madison Avenue ad agencies, right? And that's, my father was in that game, right? He was a mover and a shaker in that world, right? Which is, you know, in, in its own way, very impressive. Like, you know, you, you, can't, you can say a lot of things about my father. You can't say that he wasn't a very successful person in his business, right? But here's the thing, right? In that business, it was as cutthroat as cutthroat gets, right? Like, you know, like he actually told me a story about the very beginning of his career where he was standing at the the bar waiting for a lunch date, you know, and somebody else who was a competitor of his, right, saw him standing at the bar 
knew the person that he was meeting, you know, was actually already kind of drunk. He was just a big drinker or whatever. And then, like, before that person got back to the office, the other, the, my father's competitor called the guy's boss and said, hey, you know, Art Burns just got this guy all riled, you know, all stinking drunk. He's on his way back to the office now. I don't know what kind of vendors you like to use, you know. <laughs> it was like that kind of thing. And that kind of thing happened all the time. Right. Because really what you're talking about is you're talking about a bunch of people who were, you know, relatively uneducated, relatively unskilled, but yet had access to, again, like, I mean, five million dollars was just one account. And the take of the salesman is 15 percent of that. So you do the math. I mean, that's a ton of money. Right. And so. You know, now, please don't don't get the idea that I grew up with. You know, I, I've been I've made no secret of the fact that I had some privilege, but I'll, I'll tell you about my father's money management some other time. But it was not like it, I'm making it sound right now. But that that said, you know, um, so, so my father grew up in this in this business that was very much not grew up, but as an adult, he worked in this business and and and. Before let's back up a little further, right? My father grew up as a young child in a in a home that was in poverty, right? Like he had nothing, nothing at all. You know, all of his clothes were hand down, hand me downs because he was the youngest of three boys. You know, his parents, you know, his father worked two or three jobs. His mother never worked because of that, you know, old Irish, you know, kind of, you know, that's just the way it goes. You know, she was in the kitchen all day and he's working three jobs and stuff. So, so my father came from this place of trauma that had a lot to do with money. So, so I definitely forgive and definitely understand and definitely sympathize with the fact that my father went all in on the business end of things, right? Because money money to him was this this very scarce thing and and in a traumatic way right so his trauma had to do with the scarcity and lack of money and so therefore to a to compensate for that or to to you know to answer that trauma right he really prioritized money right in a way that I feel is a little unhealthy, but again, in his shoes, I probably would have made the same decisions, right? And so there's nothing wrong there, okay? And so so he wound up in this business where he had access to great amounts of money. So good for him. I mean, that's great. Beautiful. Okay, I'm happy for him that, that he was able to sort of pull himself up by his own bootstraps, as they say. And I mean, that's really, he is that story. Right. He is that guy. You know, there was no um, no level of privilege that got him into it. I mean, he literally just he just, you know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, he left my mother to go have a relationship with somebody who furthered his career. So I'm not you know, I don't want to sainthood is, is a little bit out of reach still. But <laughs> but but I do commend him for what he did. You know, he was able to really a self-made man in that way, right? The decisions he made along the way, eh, not so healthy for me and my family, but hey, you know, self-made man, good for him, right? So what I'm getting at here, though, is that because he had this job of, you know, this this career in a very cutthroat industry, right? And it was absolutely, like I just told you that one story, it's one of a million, Right. Like that. And it just happened all over the place, everywhere. Like you had to be very careful about who knew who you were talking to. And like it was it was like insidious, this this sort of 
you know, creep of, of, you know, of, of mistrust and, and, you know, and, uh, it was just really, really yucky, <laughs> right? Like yucky. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I was so unhappy in that world. Cause he bred and groomed me to be him. And that's, you know, that, that's a story for another day, but, but anyway, so, so because of this, this constant sort of having to look over his shoulder, right? Like that was, you know, that basically became his worldview, right? Where he just always felt like the entire world was out to take advantage of him somehow. I told you the story about those shoes not too long ago, right? And, and you know, these are the greatest, I, I don't know if you're, if you didn't see the, the episode I was, I was talking about um, when I was about, you know, 12 years old or something like that, maybe 13 years old when the uh, movie Fast Times at Ridgemont High came out, right? That was the first time the world saw the checkerboard vans that uh, the Sean Penn, uh, what was his name? Jeff Spicoli, I believe, right? Who <laughs> was, was wearing the those vans, you know, he took one off and hit himself in the head. He's like, that was my head, dude. I'm so stoned. You know, <laughs> Funny movie. Great movie. But, um, but yeah, so those shoes, right? <laughs> I needed those shoes and I, and I saved up and I, you know, I, I scrimped together and I, and I got the money, the $40 or whatever it was. And I went down to the store and I, and I bought these shoes and I was so happy. And I came home wearing these shoes and my father's like, looks at those and he's like, those shoes are too big on you. What are you, stupid? How did you walk out of the store like that? I'm like, well, you know, they feel okay. And I mean, I'm I'm 12 years old. So I'm, you know, you're always telling me how I'm growing out of stuff. So what's the big? No, no. That guy took your money and he just gave you a pair of shoes that's no good. And he just ripped you off. That was the vibe. that he, and, and he marched, he, he made me go right back to that store and demand my money back. 12-year-old kid talking to this big, like, 20-year-old something. And, of course, the guy at the store is like, okay, yeah, sure, you can have your money back. I could give a shit, you know? <laughs> like, the kid was working an eight-hour, eight-dollar-an-hour job or something. But my father was convinced that this man, you know, saw me as a mark, and he took advantage of me, and he sold me a pair of shoes that <gasps> was half a size too big <laughs> as a 12-year-old child. But that, that moment was so traumatic for me, right? That experience was so traumatic. And I know it seems like, yeah, first world problems and all that, and I get that. And yes, my trauma might not be your trauma, and your trauma might not be the trauma of somebody who lives in a third world country, right? But my trauma to me is traumatizing. Your trauma to you is traumatizing. Person in, you know, developing nation their traumatizing is traumatizing to them, right? Like you can't really, you can't compare your own trauma to someone else's. That's not, it's not reasonable and it's not going to ever work in your favor, okay? So that moment that I experienced was incredibly, incredibly traumatic to me, right? To the point where I still today cannot buy a pair of shoes. Like I have to wear my shoes in the house for like a week because I wind up going back and saying, no, I got the, there's half a size too small. I need the larger size. Seriously. You know, I mean, the, the only times that I've done well with shoes is when I go and pay like $300 and get them to put your feet in like one of those machines to make a custom, you know, measured thing and that kind of stuff. And so, so yeah, so, so like that's how powerful that was. But, but again, how does this 
what does this mean to com- to connection, right? And 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 this is the the point that I want to make with this whole you know kind of long-winded podcast at this moment at this point is that you know when when my father you know, became this person. And I'm sure it started in his childhood. I mean, he grew up in New York City, right? In a tough neighborhood with, you know, a bunch of poor people. Yes, people were always trying to take advantage of him. They were, you know? And and when he grew into his adult life in business, then again, people in that world were all trying to take advantage of him as well, right? And so so he he developed this kind of, you know, hardened worldview about life and about how life means that people are trying to take advantage of you. It's just not true, right? It's just not true. Just like the the guy at at the store, the shoe store, right? Like my father painted a picture of this guy as an absolute thief, that he was literally trying to steal my money. But when I got to the store, the kid was like, you know, and of course, to me, he seemed like a giant at 12 years old. But I mean, now I would look at him, he'd be half my age right now. And, and he'd be like, <laughs> why would I care? Did you wear him outside? Are the, are the soles still clean? Then I can take him back. No problem. <laughs> do you want your money back or do you want to get a different pair of shoes? <laughs> you know, like it's okay. You know, like he really, he, he wasn't trying to get advantage, right? Even though my father was sure he was going to give advantage. And that's the thing, right? That my father's nervous system, right? Through the trauma of his own upbringing and through the conditioning of that, you know, sort of, you know, like fight or flight, right? Because that if you feel that the whole world is trying to get out of, get something from you and get over on you, well, then basically you're living your whole life in fight or flight mode, right? And so what that does is that prevents any healthy and natural connections from being made. And lo and behold, this is absolutely illustrated in my father's life. And and I mean, this is a really sad thing that I'm about to tell you, but I grew up knowing my father as someone who literally did not have a single person in his life who was just a friend just for the sake of being a friend, who was not connected in business, who was not you know, a client, who was not a vendor, who was not a restaurant owner, who, who facilitated his business meetings and stuff like that, right? That there was, no, there was no person in my father's life who was not part of the facilitation of his career, Right? So, I mean, he became friendly with, I mean, you know, these people were at our house on Christmas and stuff like that. So they, you know, they were friends, but they were also clients, right? And there's there's a difference there, right? And so, so he, you know, he formed his friendships thinking, what is in it for me, right? What am I going to get from you? If I give you my friendship, what am I going to get from you? And he never developed a pure and, and, and true connection to anyone in his life because of this. And it's sad. It, it makes me cry to think about this. Well, it makes me kind of want to cry, but it's hard because there's a lot there, you know. But, but the fact of the matter is that right now... And this is sad. I might actually cry here because it's, it's just my compassion. It's like no matter what the guy did to me... 
I still have compassion for him, right? And and right now he is in his, you know, mid 70s and largely alone. I mean, he's got my mother who's very ill and he's ill and and you know, my sisters kind of go and visit them and stuff and like, you know, I'm I'm out here in Colorado so I don't get to see them that much, but you know, especially with COVID and stuff, we haven't been back. You know, my, my sisters live closer, so, I mean, he has some kind of human interaction. But, I mean, really, the, the human interaction that he really has on a, on a daily basis is going to the gym and seeing people there and whatever people he's hiring to do work on his house. Like, that's literally, that's it. And so it's no mystery to me that he's ill, that his body's just giving up. And if you watch this, Dad, I don't mean to hurt you with any of this. I'm just telling the truth. And I hope this doesn't hurt you. I hope, if anything, it helps you to maybe, you know, maybe take these, you know, this time now to really try to connect to yourself, you know? But for all of you others who are watching this, I want you to, to know that this is a, an important aspect and it's something that just like the kids right just like when we grow up and we you know like or when our kids grow up and we say oh my gosh where did the time go right well the same thing can apply to us as as building connection to ourselves and to others right like it's i'm sure my father looks back and says wow how did i get to be 75 years old and like where did all the time go right and so so this is an opportunity to 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 pay attention to every moment and connect to every moment. Connect to yourself through, through the mindfulness of every moment. And connect to those around you in the mindfulness of every moment. And once we can do this, you know, now we don't feel like we miss it. Now we realize that, okay, I need a healthy balance in my life between friends who are just friends and, and you know, colleague friends. You know, it's okay to have some friends in your business, of course, but if that's all you got, well, you, you might want to examine that in mindfulness and in self-compassion, right? And so, and so, so all of you out there who might be in your 30s making decisions or 40s making decisions similar to those decisions that my father made, I, I, I ask you, I invite you to pause for a moment and, and check in and, and, and make sure that you're giving some time to connection to connection to yourself and to connection to others. And that can come in many different ways, right? You know, you could take a class in something you're interested in, pottery, whatever, right? You can volunteer somewhere. You know, if you go and volunteer somewhere, you're absolutely going to see other people volunteering there too, right? And, and those people are going to have a shared interest with you because you both picked this place to volunteer for. I, I, when I first moved to Colorado, the first thing we did was we started volunteering at the Love and Arms uh, Sanctuary Farm. We're, we're, you know, we're big into the animal rights and, and, you know, vegan lifestyle and everything like that. So, so that was the logical first place to go when we moved here. And I made some great friends there. I mean, not people I see every day or anything like that, but I mean, when they pop up on Facebook, it's like, oh, hey, hey, I feel a connection to you and I love it. We all need it. 
We all need it. Remember, you know, even, and I'm going to wrap it up here because I know we're getting a little long here, but but remember, um, as Dr. Gabor Mate told me last week that, you know, and this is, he reminded me of this because it's something that's well known, right? Is that, you know, if, if you were to take a, a human baby, right, who was born healthy, right, nothing wrong with it in any way, went full term, uh, you know, natural childbirth, you know, everything was fine. You take that baby and put it in a safe crib with the temperature and moisture controlled so it's perfect, right? You feed the baby every day, everything it could possibly want. You change its diapers, you clean it, you, you care for it physically, right? But if you don't pick that baby up and connect to it on a physical level, that baby will perish. It will literally die without that connection. That is how important it is. It really is. Now, as adults, we don't die from it, but we do get sick, right? And and it's like the the other things that, you know, the, the places where those decisions lead us is a place of unhealthiness and, and a place of illness. So you know the deal here, right? If you have any questions about this or you want to, you know, kind of, you know, maybe something I said today was like, holy crap, you know, I got to deal with this. Well, if you're feeling that way, click the link in the in the description, okay? You can book a time on my calendar. It's a free call. You already own it, okay? Because I've, I've done one for everyone, okay? So every single person has one 45-minute session. And this could be the whole world, right? I'll do 8 billion 45-minute sessions, right? I don't know how long that'll take me. But, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's there for you. And it's a resource that's available. It's totally free. And it could lead to serious life changes for you. So if you feel like clicking, feel like talking to me, click that link. Uh, otherwise, I wish you well. And I will see you soon. I'll be back again tomorrow. Take care, everybody. Have a great day.